Welcome back, boys and girls, to another episode of K-Fave Comparisons. My name is Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer, and I am joined here once again by the kickflip K-Fave master himself, Mr. Wex Breaking the Lawson. Wex, how are we living today on this spooky edition? Uh, living, living pretty good, pretty well, pretty solid. Uh, got a good show coming up. Got a nice fresh beer cracked open here. You see I'm in the spirit of the, the Halloween spirit. Got my little luchador Ooh. mask on. Ooh, I do. I like that. I like that. Speaking of things I like, last week's episode was a banger. Uh, the suplex assassin himself, Mr. Alex Kane. If you missed last week, be sure to go check that one out. It was absolutely awesome. Uh, Wex, did you get any feedback on last week's episode? Uh, yeah, I heard a few good things about it. I know Alex liked it and his tag team partner, Mr. Damian Tangra, liked it from Suplex Science. I got a chance to meet up with them uh, during the show around the little intermission merch table uh, gimmick type deal, you know? Yeah. It was a pretty cool show. Got a little picture with Alex Kane. You probably saw it on the social medias there. And uh, they put on, you know, they got the first match of the night. So, you know, the first match and the last match are always the two most important matches on Absolutely. any wrestling card. And they set it off right. I'll tell you that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Maybe we will uh, get the other half of Suplex Science on an indie spotlight here sometime soon. That'd be pretty dope. Uh, but yeah, let's dive into today. Today's today's episode. Today, Junior. Yeah, it's an Impact Bound for Glory 2021 versus WCW's Halloween Havoc 1996. I am hype. 96 is such a good time because it's like 96 is really the beginning of the Attitude Era, except just in WCW. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, they they were kind of killing. Like, '96 was pretty hot for WCW. They were kind of killing it at the time. Honestly, like '96 and maybe the first half of '97 might be the best part of like WCW period. Um, and also, you know, 2021 Impact Bound for Glory. It's one of their bigger shows. We've got a lot going on right now in the current event of pro wrestling. Um, oh, so, yeah, Wex, man, when I get us started, man, what 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 do you want to tackle first? I mean, good lord. I mean, should we go ahead and tackle like the fucking biggest thing, the elephant in the room? Yeah, let's just let's just talk about it. Ring of Honor, dude. Yeah, yeah. So Ring of Honor is uh, they're saying that they're postponing and trying to come up with a different marketing strategy to hopefully come back in spring of next year. Um, unfortunately, I don't see how that's possible. They seem like they're just trying to protect the name and that's it. Um, and they're selling the tape library and everything else. And I think that's gonna go up for grabs between um, actually a lot of different people. I think that it's not just going to be, I don't, I think a lot of people I've, I've seen on the Twitterverse have just pretty, pretty much been like, Oh, it's, you know, Vince is going to try to buy it or Tony Khan's going to try to buy it. Like guys, I mean, ESPN might want to buy it. You know what I mean? Um, you know, Fox sports might just want to buy it to run it on their, you know, as content. I mean, it's good content. Cause um, yes, yeah, Sinclair broadcasting. I mean, like they're pretty, a pretty big reputable company. So right. people know about the product. Yeah, exa- yeah, that's what I'm saying too. Like they're they're owned by a, a television company, you know. So, um, I I don't know. Like I I could, uh, I could see. Of course, like you know, in my Mark brand, like what do I personally want to happen? I would love for Tony Khan to just buy the entire brand. I would love for him to just stop doing Dark and Dark Elevation and just change. Like Ring of Honor would essentially be the um, Ring of Honor would essentially be the developmental for AEW. I think that would be 
awesome. I think it'd be tons of content. You could easily start a streaming service that way too. I know Tony's been talking about that as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, ring of honor and AEW fit like, you know, a hand in a glove. So I think that that, that would work best, but I wouldn't hate to just have ring of honor on Peacock either. I mean, it is what it is. Wex. I mean, how do you feel about it? Which way do you see it going? What would you like to see? I mean, really, I, I don't really know what to think right now because it just, just happened. It was such a sudden thing. And the fact that they say they're going to come back next year, they released all their wrestlers from their contracts, and they can work. They are available to immediately work anywhere else. So I don't see how you're going to bring the company back if you're going to literally let go of your all of your stars. I heard they right. want to focus on more of a non-contracted wrestler thing when they come back. Be an indie again. Man. I mean, yeah, but dude, like, I just can't see Ring of Honor going down to that level after what they've been for the wrestling business for the past, right. what, 20 years? Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, so I mean, it's literally it's 20 crazy. years. Like, every top name, like, not every, but almost every big name that we've came to know and love in the past, like, 10 to 15 years used to be in Ring of Honor. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, either in either company, in WWE in both, or in like, yeah. Even some uh, impact wrestlers. Shit. Yeah, yeah straight like, up. Like, Ring of Honor is like, was the backbone foundation of like modern pro wrestling of what we know it in today in America. They're the ones who fucking modern, like, them. I guess a little bit of impact too back then, but impact was more trying to be WWE. Like, Ring of Honor was that hard hitting, that American indie style that we know is like the modern pro wrestling style. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, I feel like their influence on the business cannot be understated for sure. I mean, Ring of Honor, it's a it's a sad day for the business, but at the same time, too, I mean, look, it's just the evolution of the business. They had a good 20-year run. Um, I mean, as a wrestling fan, now is, I mean, you can't, I mean, God, t- t- like right now is one of the best times ever to be a wrestling fan. I mean, I don't care. I mean, I mean, there's so many options. Like, there's so many places to watch really good quality product, and WWE isn't really one of them, but there's, I mean... There's just a lot right now. And let's be honest, man. WWE has always kind of been peaks and valleys. And right now we're in a valley. Like, WWE is yep. going to get better. And they do have some storylines going that are awesome. Like, I mean, the bloodline thing is great. I don't care what anybody says. The Hurt Business being back together is great. Like, Big E being champ, that's great. Like, I don't watch it on a regular basis because it's way too much content and not not a whole lot of it is quality. Um but yeah, man, I mean, it's it's sad to see Ring of Honor go, which I feel like is probably going to happen. But at the same time, I'm excited for the business. Um, I'm excited to see where some of the, Jay Lethal goes. You know what I mean? I'm excited to see what happens with uh, Mike Bennett. I'm excited to see. Um, I'm just excited to see what happens there, man. Calvin Tankman, I feel like, you know, is going to, uh, you know, lots, lots of good, lots of good talent out there now, as if there wasn't before. I mean, it's just a good time to be a wrestling fan, dude. What do you, I mean, wh- where do you think that, like, do you think that Ring of Honor ends up just being an indie or is it just fade out altogether? Nobody ever like uses the name or, or, or how do you, you know, do you think it just dies I here? Think, or? Honestly, I think they're going to die. Cause I heard that Joe Coff like tried to fight with Sinclair to keep the show and they're just like, nah, we're done with it. I think they're just done with it. And I, if it can't be like, at least on the same level that it's always been, there's no point to try to run it as a watered down bullshit, whatever version of Ring of Honor. You know what I mean? Like I'd rather I'd rather just be gone altogether and then something like that happen. But yeah, that's my my prediction. Yeah. My prediction is releasing all their major fucking stars, like literally everybody from all their contracts. I don't see them coming back. Period. I feel this is a way to try to like make everybody feel like it's okay, but everyone knows what's going on. This is the fucking end. 
It's sad. Yeah. And it also could be the end. Let me go ahead and get a good little segue of Charlotte here in WWE. If you hear what's been going on with her, she's been wilding out here. Wilding. Yeah, she's day. not. Uh, she's definitely not happy with her position. She's not happy with the company. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, it's interesting to see for sure. Um, I mean, because, dude, how much money does Vince McMahon have invested in Charlotte Flair? You know what I mean? And I mean, I mean, the problem is, is like if she comes, if she goes to AEW, which is what everybody thinks, uh, I mean, who would she be? She couldn't be Charlotte Flair. Who would she be? She'd be Ashley Flair. That's exactly who she would be. What's Ashley Flair doing in the dynamite zone? Yeah, but they would have to. They would have to use. They would have to spell it like her actual. No, last they name. no. They don't. They don't own Flair. Ric Flair owns Flair. That's why he couldn't be Cody Rhodes, but he could just be Cody and Brand. She could be Brandy Rhodes. They don't own the last name Rhodes. They don't own the last name Flair. Oh, I see. I see. Because they didn't own Brandy Rhodes, and they don't own Ashley Flair. They own Charlotte Flair. I thought you'd have to use it like your actual name. Although that might be cool too. Uh, but her real name is Ashley Flair. It's just spelled different. It's Flair, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of meat on the bone there too. I mean, I mean, there's yeah, there's there's tons of stuff going on, man. Whew. Well, let's get into the show here. Let's get let's let's roll it on over. Any, any other current news that we need to touch on before we get mowing mo- into this? I mean, nothing that that serious. You know, we're just good AEW wrestling, good stuff going on there. I mean, and we'll, we'll you know. That's yeah, about we're, it. We're going to be touching on AEW here uh, here shortly yeah, as well. We'll, we'll do some our predictions towards the end. A little bit later. Let's, let's get in our way back machine then. Let's go back to 1996. Uh, we're going to do all of Halloween Havoc here. And uh, we got an opening package um, with Hollywood Hogan and Macho Man. And I thought the actual package was pretty good. I thought it fit the time really well. I thought for 1996 it was pretty well done. Um, we got Tony and Dusty and Bobby all on the call, which that's a great commentary team. You can't argue with those three guys uh and the opening match here dude it's an absolute banger it's dean malenko versus Rey mysterio jr for the wcw cruiserweight championships um man god great way to start off the show the mat work was just so clean and so precise um you know there's a lot of times where we're like we'll talk about matches and we're like well you know it wasn't really a mat classic or anything it was but it was a good match like no no this was this was an absolute clinic it was a mat classic for sure uh, this match would be a banger today, uh, 25 years later, and that alone pretty much says enough. I mean, everybody talks about the Eddie and Ray match, which I think happened the following year at Halloween Havoc in 97. That's correct. Um, That's correct. Which, which is great. But, dude, I mean, this is uh, this is a six-pack all day. It's a six-pack all the way around. I mean, this is like a legendary match, in my opinion. I'd put this top 50 matches ever of all time. Um yeah, I mean, dude, yeah, six beers. It, this is hands down my match of the week, like bar none. Um, yeah, Dean Malenko versus Rey Mysterio Jr. Sorry to blow our load right there like we're, uh, you know, pre-pubescent boys, but I, my, my match of the night for either show is Dean Malenko versus Rey Mysterio Jr. here. I loved it. What do you think about it? Yeah, dude, it was a goddamn classic match, and I actually pulled a little Rey Mysterio. If you just noticed, I boom, I changed mask. Yeah, Mid-match, mid Pod, uh, mid podcast, but I didn't put on the Rey Mysterio. But like, the story was great in this match. Everything, like, dude, everything was good in here. Like, and the innovation, like you said, for 1996, this could have been a match in 2021 and been just Easy. as highly rated. How like Meltzer probably would give this a six star match if it was Kenny Omega and somebody else. Honestly, 100. Like, yeah, just because you know he, he 
he's a little bit more biased for the all Omega, but you know, dude, it was a fucking killer match. The pacing, it got a little slow at points and almost drug on for a second, but right when I thought it was starting to drag, they start picking it back up. It's like every time I thought like, uh, okay, okay, you guys get, you guys know what the fuck you're doing out there. And it was overall like pretty much a perfect match. Like the yeah. top rope gut wrench power bomb was fucking sick. And just like you said, they compare that Eddie Guerrero match and like I'm an Eddie Guerrero fucking mark over here. And but this was this literally is up there on the same level with that match, like hands down. It's a little bit different style because of the Eddie Guerrero. That was pretty much a you know more of a high pace the whole time. And this was a more yeah. of a Dean Malenko slowed it down and got to work a lot of more mat based stuff during this match. And just they put everything together, wrapped it up in a nice little package, and cracked open one, two, three, four, five, six beers and butt chugged them all. Well, could butt chug them if you want. Oh my goodness. Uh yeah, speaking of butt chugging, uh there is a Jarrett promo in the back after the match. Um it's bad. It's not good at all. He's just yeah, he's just not good at promos. Uh, I love his podcast by the way. Think he's hilarious, but um yeah, his promos were always trash to be honest with you. Uh Flair came in and saved it though. Flair did a great job, nailed the promo. It sent it home well. Uh and then the next match on the card here is DDP versus Eddie Guerrero. It's the battle for the ring. Um, and it's still the dynamite pretty... diamond ring, right? Yeah, 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 which is kind of hilarious. Uh, it's not actually the dynamite diamond ring. What is it called? It's the, um, the battle bowl ring. Battle bowl ring. That's right. That's what I, right. and he's the Lord of the ring. Yeah. <laughs> the Lord of the ring. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's still pretty early in Dallas's career here, uh, but at least he's kind of keeping up and Eddie is Eddie. Um, and it's definitely carrying the match. Uh, I really kind of hate the injured heel referee angle with uh, Nick Patrick in this match specifically because it's like neither one of these guys are NWO guys, so it didn't really make any sense. And it was just Mm -hmm. like Nick Patrick kind of catering to the heel. And that kind of hurt the match quite a bit. Uh, But the entering work was really, really good. I mean, uh, it's got to be really hard to follow that Cruiserweight Championship match, but it definitely held its own. Um, And that's, that's, I mean... It wasn't quite as good as the opener, but it's definitely saying something. I mean, I, I gave it four and a quarter beers. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, what do you think about DDP versus Eddie Guerrero here? I mean, dude, this was the battle of the mullets right here. These were two very nice mullets, and only Flowing. one other mullet surpasses these Gorgeous. two mullets on the show. And we'll get to that mullet a little bit later. But, man, this was a, a sick-ass mullet battle. Solid shit. Like, I mean, it went fast at times, but they never – I don't think the pace ever really slowed down too much to the pa- – Sorry, to the point that it was in that previous match. Yet, I don't know. I guess that's maybe why, I don't know. They just changed the style up a little bit and still were able to put on a really good match that almost matched up with you with that cruiserweight match. Like you said, I didn't go quite as high. I went four beers on it. I know you went almost five beers with the 4.75. I went four no, beers. No, I only had four and a quarter. It was just four and one quarter. Oh, of, oh so we're pretty close. Then. Yeah, okay, I went four beers. Time. I thought you said 4.7. No, four and a quarter. Yeah, and I love on commentary. He said, nosedive. Nose yeah. <laughs> like Shivani, like literally repeat it like six times. I pop for that Shivani and the brain, dude. The commentary on this show was superb. Like it was really him, good. Like it was really the, good. The yeah. combination of them three, like it was good on the call, and they were saying funny shit, yeah. hilarious. Like yeah. Dust, dude. Dusty is such a good foil for the brain, and like he's the good. It's like brain. And Shivani are the foil for each other, and Dusty's like the the mediator that's like, oh well, no, you know that the reason that that here, Daddy, because uh, you know, he drew a line in the sand a long time ago. <laughs> Good shit yeah. there. I'm, I'm, I mean, 
he powered through, and Eddie Guerrero actually got hurt during this matchup, and he'd been sick for like two or three days leading into this. Yeah. Because Diamond Dallas Page literally happened to post an Instagram post about this match today, because today was the anniversary of the day it took place. Wow. I guess of wow. the actual pay-per-view, so that's crazy. That's we're awesome. recording on the anniversary of the pay-per-view, and he said Eddie was sick, and he uh, hurt his knee, and just still pushed through the match and still put on a really solid performance. Yes, he did. It was a great match. It was a great match, absolutely. And uh, let's keep I it like I'm saying I just want to keep. I really like the dead weight, like dead body diamond cutter that they uh, executed because you usually people jump into it or do some crazy shit, and Eddie just like went. Yeah, it was it was nice, nice yeah, little he touch. Just laid into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, keep good it rolling. Good selling. Good selling. Uh, let's keep it rolling. Yeah, there's a pretty dope Macho Man promo in the back with Mike Tanay, too. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Gotta love Macho. Um, and, man, <laughs> the ad for WCWWrestling.com felt so nostalgic and so amazing. Like, I don't know about you, dude, but, like, I was, I don't know, I was, like, 13, 14. So I was, like, right in the middle of that like i was i had an aim and like everybody had aol and like those websites were all like angel fire and like looked just like that it was so similar um i mean i i remember a little bit it was probably a couple years after this when i first started really dabbling onto like the angel fire geo cities dragon ball z websites and stuff but uh i definitely remember this time of the internet but imagine calling in and going online to just listen to the pay-per-view Yes, yes. Like, Dude, imagine yeah. doing that. Simulcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The audio I mean, I guess I, I used to do that, but I would have the uh, – on cable, you just go to the channel that scrambled for the pay-per-view, but you could always hear the audio. Yeah. I would do that I, mean, I think I was – yeah, oh, dude, all the time, all the time. I would try to do that as much as I could. I would actually open – like a web, the web the web browser or whatever and play like the audio because I couldn't get the pay-per-views most of the time. So I would try to at least keep up. But then like it got to a point where the commentary just got so bad that it's like you have no idea what's going on. Like yeah, you literally just talking about the NWO yeah. the whole time yes, and you don't the know whole what time. going on in the match. But when it showed Jericho like on the computer with that guy, it reminded me of like the classic like AOL Bret Hart and like Shawn Michaels shit where it's just yes, their back. That's exactly what they were not doing. Not knowing what the fuck to do on the computer. They have yeah. like some little tech guy helping Chris Jericho out. Yeah, that's exactly what that's exactly what it was. And he, tell me that tech guy did not look like a young Tony Khan too. Like it to- no, it straight up did look like Tony Khan. Um, Dean Malenko with a straight cold promo, naturally. Uh, then Macho Man had like a Slim Jim monster truck giveaway thing, which was super funny and super carny all at the same time. Like, Dude, yeah, I really love that because later they like show the one in the crowd and they're like, oh, there's that monster truck that he gave away. And he goes, oh, no, actually, it was the street legal one. You can't be driving that in the street. And he goes, he's like, yeah, you know, I drive trucks like that. And I was just, oh, my goodness. What is happening? <laughs> what is happening? Uh, Ted DiBiase then like cut a promo for the for the giant, essentially. Uh, in the crowd, which was kind of weird. It was weird that, like, the NWO's locker room was, like, in the arena. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, yo, we know that there's not, like, a room back there. That's just, like, where you go get pretzels and shit. Like, you can't, like, it's, I don't know. It just felt weird to me. Um, but, yeah, the next match here is the Giant versus Jeff Jarrett. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and let you take the lead on this one. What do you think about it? Um, was not very good. It was pretty much just Jeff Jarrett doing his little bullshit shtick. A bunch of backbreakers, some re- more referee interference bullshit that you didn't even need. It was very slow paced, and I mean, what do you expect from the giant? It's not going to be like a crazy fast match, and yeah, just not a fan of this match at all. And just 
Yeah, it sucked. I gave it a beer. Yeah, because I mean, basically what was because yeah. what was going on is he was subbing in for Ric Flair because Ric Flair was hurt, and it was just lame. And it's when it's like when he had, he was wearing the wackest gear and he was like a halfway horseman, but not really a horseman. Yeah. And it's just the giant and Jeff Jarrett. They're not doing. It's just it is what it is. You don't even have to watch it. Just um, you heard yeah, what I said. Yeah. It's a bad substitute match. I'm pretty much in the same boat. I gave it half a beer. Um, it just wasn't, uh, yeah, it wasn't good at all. I mean, the, the only reason why I gave a half a beer is because I feel like Flair worked his ass off and he wasn't even in the match. I felt like he did yeah, the dude, best the job out of anybody. Um, I agree. The crowd, Flair going up and down the aisle, fucking like, yeah, him engaged with the crowd was more interesting than the actual match itself. And like the Nick Patrick like stuff just was bullshit. The like low blow in front of his face and the low, like it. Yeah. Dumb. No, I agree. I agree. Uh, so that kind of lowered the pace and kind of lowered the spirits of everybody, I think, a little bit. Although the crowd was kind of hot because it's NWO and this is like yeah. brand new still. But uh, anyway, there's a nice Ted DiBiase promo on Jericho on like behalf of six. And then for some reason, they let Sean Waltman speak. And that was a terrible idea. Um, he was just not very good that day. He was probably uh, high as fuck. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but uh, the match here is six versus Chris Jericho. Um, Jericho is doing his absolute best cheesy baby face with the come on baby. And like, Oh <laughs> God, I will say too, like that raging headlock that Sean Waltman does like, or six does, where he gets him the headlock and he just jumps up and down. It's like, yeah, it, I, that's like, it's, I hate what I hate that one of the most. That's, that's what I hate <laughs> more than most things. Like I, I, I it's, it really, really right, bothers so me. We're going to go ahead and put that. We're going to, we have a list here in kayfabe comparisons of our least favorite wrestling moves. Yes. And I think that's okay. going to go the, right the there. Number the number one list. thing is like the standing. Wait, when someone's standing up and John Moxley tries to give him an elbow drop off the top rope, that's number one. Ironically, number two is that stupid ass like reverse slingshot um, clothesline that he used to do that he stopped doing now. Thank God. Um, I would say this is number three. I'd say the raging headlock is is number three. When number four. Like, number four is always going to be the catapult. I don't mind the catapult. The cat- I don't mind the well, catapult. And poorly executed catapults. How about that? Because there's a lot of people who do them real shitty. Yeah. I saw at an indie show one time this dude do a catapult. And, like, they were talking about – this is when I was still wrestling. And it was just some random thing. And they wanted it to get over so bad. And they thought it was, like, a really clever idea. And they're like, watch the, watch the catapult spot. And so they go to do the catapult. And then the guy, like, late, like he, come, he like comes up and just, like, falls flat. Like, so he just stands up and then falls flat. Like, he doesn't get thrown. And he was like, yeah, you know, it's like perpetual motion. It's like, that's how it actually would be. I was like, no, actually, you would just hold their legs and lay down and they wouldn't. There's no way your body would like, like your body yeah, doesn't pick the, them up. Like, that's not the way that exactly. works. Exactly. It doesn't work. It's the dumbest move. And some people can execute it right, but most people can't. And when you can't execute it, it just looks like shit. We'll get into that later on the show, too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean. Either way, after the raging headlock spot, uh, which is really ridiculous, the dudes beat the hell out of each other. And the match was actually really, really good. Uh, Tony and Dusty were hilarious on commentary. I mean, dude, at one point, um, at, at one point, six whips Jericho into the safety rail. And he's like, uh, and Dusty's like, like, why do they call that a safety rail? It didn't keep him safe. Tony's <laughs> like, well, you know, you know, Dusty, it kept, it kept the, uh, it's like, it broke his back. It broke his back in two. I just see it right there. And, <laughs> it broke and Tony, his back. <laughs> and then, and then dude, Tony, Dusty, and Tony, dude, and Tony was like, "Well, it's well, it's it's to keep the fans safe." And then Dusty didn't miss because he's like, "I know that's right, Daddy. I know that's right." And I was like, "What? What? What just happened? Like, what just? I what know, did I like, just they, I love they do that shit because like sometimes when 
like when Tony and Brain start like not getting, he's like Dusty will be the one who explains it and it sort of makes sense. I guess it does in his own head. And then Tony's the one who's trying to make like, trying to make it make sense to Dusty. Yeah. It's such good fucking shit on commentary. Oh, Holy it's so fuck. good. But it's so good. I'm ma- I'm super hyped. The on match it. was really good. Like everything was very crisp and clean with with them too. Like yeah, their chemistry was fantastic. And the only reason, like the only thing that took me out was like just the NWO bullshit. Mm-hmm. If it just would have mm-hmm. been more like a clean match, it could have been way sicker. But yeah, what I was mean, your, what was your I beer gave, rating? I gave it three yeah. and three quarters because it was a little bit above average to me. I thought it was like I actually I thought the inter, I thought I thought this was one of the only matches where the Nick Patrick shit made sense. You know what I mean? Like to me, at least like I didn't necessarily like it, but it's like this is what the NWO does. Of course, he gets the win, even though Jericho still looks pretty good after it's like. It, it didn't. It didn't really make. I mean, at the end of the night, it doesn't really make make Jericho look bad, and it doesn't really yeah. make. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it actually gives six more heat, so that's a win, right? Like, it was just. I don't know. It worked, I guess, to an extent, but I don't know. I just didn't like it because he was like, "I have a fucked up neck," but then like, "Oh no, six can't continue." But I like it. It's yeah, yeah. But no, I, I, get, I get what they're doing, but it's just. I guess that's like the fan in me, just like actually getting pissed off. Like, fuck you, Nick Patrick. I hate you. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. I feel like that's a natural reaction. I feel like most people feel that way. I mean, that fucking. What, what was your that, overall? What was your overall beer on it? I, I went three beers because it could have been like, like I said, that just took me out of it just a little bit. But dude, the work, the work rate, the execution, like that drop kick cross body counter, that was sick. Like, yeah, that was. They good. did a lot. Of, they did a lot of really sick shit. At like, dude, for 1996, like WCW was the innovator in offensive wrestling. Oh, 100%. I don't think that that's debatable at all. I think that cr- the cruiserweights, I mean, I literally think the cruiserweights in, through 96 to 98 were, are like the beginning of modern wrestling today. It's the um, X division, pre X division. I mean, it's the pre X division, but then like it just became Ring of Honor and then it just became everybody. I mean, yeah. you know, when guys like Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens and like those guys are your world champions, it's like, the, I mean, it's there. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what happened. So, and it's awesome. Uh, the match was good. Let's keep it rolling here though. Uh, there's a Lex Luger promo in the back, which like doesn't get any worse to go from that to that. Like, Dude. God, like Lex Luger. Has he not, did he did not learn throughout his career? He should have just always had a manager and shut the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he was most successful when he did have a manager too. It's just, or a tag team partner, but we'll, I'm sure we'll t- touch on that later. Um, the next match here is Arn Anderson versus Lex Luger. Um, it's much more of the old school style. This one felt a lot more like it could have been a 1992 match or a 1986 match as opposed yeah. to a 1996 mm-hmm. match. Um, uh, I hated that they looked like a tag team too. Uh, they wore the oh exact same gear with the black boots and the black tights and all that. The crowd was hot for it for sure though. Um, and Luger had incredibly feathered hair. Um, the match was fine. It, it, not a lot of investment. I felt like a filler match didn't seem like there were any stakes or any like severe personal issue. I mean, the work was good. And that for that style, it's just like no one cared, man. Um, even still, I gave it, I gave it two beers, like maybe two and a quarter at most Arn Anderson. I mean, the match wasn't bad. It just didn't make this didn't, there was just no reason to have it. It felt like a WCW Saturday night match or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. I just was not a really big fan of this. And maybe it's just because it's Lex Luger. I've never been a fan of Lex Luger, even though I had a goldfish named Lex when I was a kid. Lex Luger, every time he wrestles, I don't know, every show we watch with him, he's just so robotic and, like, yeah. stiff the way he moves. And, like, 
I know you said this is like more like a 1992-1985 match, but I don't think they had very good chemistry, and it was all Lex Luger's fault. Every good thing about this match was all Arn Anderson. Oh, that's um, yeah, that, yeah, no debate. Yeah, no debate on that. Like, no debate on I that. don't know, Lex. Like he was big, but that's about it. He he was bad in the ring, bad on the mic. Like. I don't understand how he stayed in wrestling for so long just because he was big and buff and shit, and I guess he had the look. But I love seeing that spine to the pine, that classic Arn Anderson, that 96, where he's still, you know, he's not he's completely fault. Yeah. He's not completely dadded out. He's still, like, hostile. Like, he has, he's still pretty solid here. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, uh, looking, he's, he's looking nice and beefy. I didn't go quite as high as you. I went one and a half beers, and it was literally only for Arn Anderson. And this match contained the worst catapult I've ever seen in my life. It was so slow and so late. Like, you're supposed to kind of, like, one fluid movement. It was, like, yeah. it was real bad. Like, Lex, just, that, that's a move that you just should not participate in. You don't have the fucking coordination, the... Like, I've seen random guys on the indies working a few years that are smoother than Lex Luger, who was, what was he at this point in his career, goddammit? How yeah, old was he? Like, well, at least, he's at least 10 years in at this point. He's at exactly. least 10 years. He just is not, he just. Maybe even 12. Yes, he had the look. But yeah. Yeah, he One had the look for sure. One and a half years, that's fair. Uh, it, it did take the, the ending took forever too. like Jarrett and Flair came out to check on Arn and it was just, I don't know. It was a lot. Was, I guess it was a clean finish. A lot of, a lot of endings of people coming and just checking on people. So yeah. It's, we'll a, it's yeah. Yeah. We'll get to that as well. The next match on the card here, um, is unfortunate. It's the faces of fear versus Steve McMichael and Chris Benoit and not even Benoit could save this. Uh, the match was way overbooked. Um, way too many people at ringside. Um, there's just like literally a ton of people at ringside almost to a point where it's like a lumberjack match. Um, no one on earth cared about this match or the outcome of it. Um, I can't give it a dud because I feel like Benoit did work his ass off and, uh, him and the barbarian specifically had some pretty decent exchanges. Uh, but it was forever long. I mean, forever long and overbooked and like, just not, I can't even give it a full beer. I give it three quarters of a beer and that's the best I can give it. Uh, where are you at on Faces of Fear versus this weird, weird version of the Horseman? Man, every time I watch Mongo McMichael wrestle, I just laugh. He's the funniest fucking wrestler ever. Like yeah. his movements, his fucking like just everything he does, his body language, just he's a fucking funny wrestler. And because yeah. he's just he's so green at this point in here with like veterans who are just like or he killing, stayed just, green, bro. He stayed green. I know, but it just, dude, and Benoit did his damnedest to try to carry this match. He did his best. Oh, yeah, he tried. And the, and the overall highlight of this match, beyond anything about it, without, without a shadow of a doubt, is Mang's mullet. Mang's mullet at this point, dude, was killing everything. Mang's mullet is what gave this match a full beer rating for me. If, he didn't, if Mang didn't have that mullet, it would have been like a half a beer, but that mullet just bumped it up a little bit for me because at least – Got to see something beautiful amidst all the chaos. Something beautiful indeed. I mean, I mean, you and I are both big fans of the mullet. Um, we're going to get to mullet moment of the night for sure um, as, as soon as we can. Uh, but let's just keep it rolling here. We got another short DiBiase promo. Uh, and then here come the Outsiders. It's the Outsiders versus Harlem Heat um, for the WCW Tag Team Championships. Um, Wex, what do you think about this one, man? 
Dude, I mean, it started off a little bit slow, but the crowd was so into it. Like, literally from the time that the Outsiders walked out, the crowd was fucking hot. And yeah. even though it was – they were like the heels, the whole NWO thing, like, they were so goddamn over. It didn't matter yeah. what they did in this match. And, like, it wasn't a match like a fucking barn burner, like a mat classic or anything. But, dude, they kept the crowd engaged the entire match. Yeah. And I, it, was, it was right there in the middle for me. What about three beers on this one? Yeah, yeah, I went slightly higher. Uh, I went three and a quarter, but I mean, honestly, for, uh, you know, let's be honest, man. I mean, Kevin Nash, I'm a big fan of his mic work. He's always been a really good promo, um, and he's always been pretty, like, funny. Um, And, you know, he's just a cool guy, but, like, he's never really been that great in the ring. He can, he's had some really great matches, but with guys that are, like, really great, like Brett or Sean or, or, um, you know, or uh, Scott, even. But, like, man... Uh, Scott Hall and Booker T, the exchanges that they th- those two guys had Dude. were like highlights of the match for sure. I mean, it was like, I mean, really good. Like, I really those wish are the that, two fucking star workers of this oh, match. Oh, and I mean, like, I really wish that we would have gotten like a long, maybe like a TV title run between the two of them or like a uh, or a U.S. title run. But I think like a really long, at least five, six matches out of those guys, I feel like would have been so, so, so good. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to see it, but. Man, like, I, I, just the potential there is what kind of unlocked it. Now, Stevie Ray is Stevie Ray. Kevin Nash is Kevin Nash. Although I do feel like Kevin Nash worked uh, as best as he could. It's, he's definitely in prime shape at this point in his career. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a solid solid tag match. It felt weird that the baby faces were essentially the ones cheating uh, and pouring on the heat. But it worked uh, because the business was just weird at the time. Um, I wouldn't say it's really one for the history books, but it's pretty solid. Yeah, so, I mean, I gave it, I gave it so, three and a quarter. Three and a quarter. So did you basically just say that Kevin Nash and Stevie Ray are the Marty Jannettis? Oh, no, no, no. Actually, I would say like I would say that out of the outsiders, unfortunately, even though I prefer Scott Hall, I think he was definitely the Marty Jannetty. If you look at like the run. Yeah, at his career. And yeah, I mean, and, but then but as far as Stevie Ray. Yes. A thousand percent. There's no debate. Like Stevie Ray yeah, is Stevie definitely Ray. the Marty Jannetty. Like, yeah, because his brother, be- his brother became the multi-time world champion. Yes. He didn't do shit. Yes, man. It came became a king. He even became a king. Uh, yeah, I mean, but you know what? Honestly, Stevie Ray was never bad. I mean, neither was Marty Jannetty, to be fair. So. Uh, match wasn't terrible, you know. Uh, right well, the not bad in the ring. Uh, maybe bad as a human outside the ring. Oh, same. Well, Scott Hall, same. Still one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, though. I mean, definitely a different style, definitely a slower style. But I still, to this day, like, and even watching this match is one of my notes. I don't think that anybody in professional wrestling history has a better punch than Scott Hall. Like, never that has ever had a better punch than Scott Hall, in my opinion. Uh, world's best punch what do you think wax if you had to pick one right off the top of your head world's best punch. jerry lawler jerry lawler that's solid that's a he has a he has one like the fuck one of the best punches no that's solid that's solid that was a deep cut and he's also a terrible thing he's also been a terrible human outside of the ring i don't really want to talk about terrible humans anymore on the show okay anyway next up it's hollywood hulk hogan versus macho man randy savage <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to do it. Um, poor Randy, man. Uh, God, this match was bad. Uh, the highlight was definitely Savage, like snatching his wig. Um, it's just, I mean, and that's that's. It's just a schmaz. I literally wrote like schmaz with like eight O's. Um, it's just overbooked bullshit, man. The finish, 
was terrible. And then Piper debuts and then he and Hogan just ramble nonsense for like seven or eight solid minutes. And then yeah, the show I turned just that shit ends. Off. The show just ends. I turned it off because I, I was like, all right, what's this is not like what 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 are we doing here? I turned it off before it ended. I love you, Randy, but you were past your prime at this point. Um, the only other really good solid bell to bell matches that you had in WCW were against Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, and Diamond Dallas Page. Uh, but everything else you pretty much did in WCW was not good. Um, RIP, love you to death. You were my favorite wrestler before I was a Hulkamaniac. I loved you, but I gave this match an absolute dud. That's the, I think that's the only time I've ever had to do that for Randy Savage, but the match was just that bad. Uh, absolute dud to me. Big old goose egg. Um, where are you at on it? I gave it just a beer. I didn't give it a fucking whole goose egg just because it was funny. Like, it was fucking hilarious. Like, the when he first came out with the hairpiece, like, yeah, I was I mean, confused. Okay. Like, when I first looked up shit for this fucking pay-per-view, I was like, what the fuck is going on with Hogan here? But turns out, somehow, from, like, the Three Ninjas movie that he did, he still had the hairpiece. So he decided to wear it to the yeah. ring and made it a part of the fucking thing. Yeah. And I was like, no, I was like, oh, shit, that makes sense. I was like, he did have more hair in Three Ninjas, and I didn't know, like, because when I was a kid, you know, like, I saw it, but I didn't know, like, how, I didn't know what time it was you know, yeah. recorded. So I was like, yeah. oh, Hogan has hair in this movie. Oh, oh, shit. <laughs> but... Now it all makes sense, but dude, when Savage put the wig on himself and the sunglasses, and just like uh, Dusty was saying on commentary, like, how the fuck did his sunglasses stay on for so long? Yeah. He made a lot of shit, and his sunglasses just stayed the fuck on there. I was like, all right. So He's he's pulling an Orange Cassidy here, just like keeping him on the whole time. They literally spray paint, spray, uh, uh, not not spray paint, they hairspray the inside of those, like, old Oakleys, and they would just stick them to your face, so it's literally just hairspray on your face. But I know that's I know that's how they did it. <laughs> Jeez, well that's fucking ridiculous, dude. Well, yeah. I mean, when, when I was like, I, I, every time I talk about like me wrestling, I always feel weird about it. And most of the time, I actually edit it out because I was so bad. I was a terrible wrestler. I don't ever want it to sound like I was good or anything like that. But what I do want to say is that like I started wrestling at like the very early 2000s. So like there were tons of 90s wrestlers that didn't get signed with the WWE that were like in down in the lurches. And I know for a fact that Buff Bagwell would, like, hairspray the inside of his Oakley, like, the 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 stems or whatever, and push them on his face and just hold them there. And, like, that's why they would stick on and, like, not fall off when he did his entrance or whatever so he wouldn't look stupid. Like, these are, these are it's ridiculous, but that's, that's how it works. That's fucking outrageous. Outrageously ridiculous. And, dude, the Nick, dude, like, the schmas, like you said, literally half of the match was Macho Man trying to get Hulk Hogan and him just, like, you know, it was literally like it was watching terrible. like a ran- it was like watching a random match at the fairgrounds. Yes. Like yes, literally exactly. that's what it, it was, was like. Match. Straight up fucking carny match. <sighs> yeah, trash. Uh like I said, I gave it a beer because it was funny because I laughed, but like for actual a wrestling match, it was garbage. Straight the fuck up. Yeah, straight up. And I wish that I could say that the next show is is incredible. Uh, but it's like Katy Perry and it's hot and it's cold. So like there's some good stuff and there's some really bad stuff. So let's just jump right Ooh, into it here. I wonder how our opinions will differ on this show because yeah, it was a little good and bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited about it. Let's jump right into it though. It is impact bound for glory 2021. Um, I know that like we us on this show have been trying to include impact a lot more. And me and Wex were talking about this, just texting about it a couple days ago, but it's kind of crazy that TNA or impact is like the second longest professional wrestling company in the United States behind 
WWE. Like that's kind of crazy to think about. It's been, you know, over 20 years and or almost 20 years. I think we're at 19 years right now. But yeah, they just beat out Ring of Honor. Like that's yeah, crazy. It's just insane. I mean, uh, and here we are though. I mean, let, let's get right into it. We got an amazing opening package on Josh Alexander. I kind of liked how personal it was. It was a little reality TV heavy with the way it was shot, and that mm, was kind of meh. But I, I liked what they're trying to do. It's not it's not a stereotypical uh, video production package that you would get from like a WWE thing or even an AEW thing. Um, so I appreciate that it was different and it felt a little more realistic. Um, you would think Eric Bischoff is still working there with that reality based. Yeah, I mean, hey, I, 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 they could use him, honestly, uh, but we'll get to it. Um, the opening match here, though, is the Inspiration versus Decay. Um, okay, I, I liked the Iconics quite a bit. Um, I was always a big proponent of theirs, and I still am. I still am. I don't know. Uh, okay, how do I say this? Okay, so the women's knockout division in TNA has not been very good for the past few years. I mean, Deanna's great. She's great. But they keep just bringing people in to work with her. The people that they have there are not very good. The knockouts tag team championships, like there's not even any real tag teams to. It, it, there's just there's not a lot of talent there, unfortunately, right now. Um, and so you bring in the inspiration and I, I understand why, but they've been out of the ring for a while. I mean, even before they got released, they, they weren't they weren't really wrestling or even together. And they're going against Decay. And listen, like I've seen a lot of matches with these with these ladies and I don't like any of them. I, I don't like I don't like Decay. I don't think that they're good. I don't they don't comp their styles don't complement each other. I don't like their gimmick. I don't think that they're good in, in the ring. I just don't I don't like it. Um, it's just not for me. Uh, and the inspiration I like, but dude, the ring rust was thick. I mean, you could, it was just thick. The timing was off. Uh, I mean, they haven't really been outside of a, a much larger WWE ring since they were like barely trained. So, I mean, the match just wasn't very good, man. Uh, I mean, I like the inspiration for sure. I like the debut, although the song was way too long. I was excited for the match. Maybe I had unrealistic expectations for the match. Uh, but they, they get the straps right away too. And that's like, I think that just kind of proves that they're the women's division is really weak. Um, especially because I, I can see why on paper, it's like, you want to put the inspiration over, you know, you're bringing them in. They're going to look great. They're going to be the new tag champions. But really, I feel like when they don't perform well in the match and then you still make them the tag champions, it just really devalues the, the division. Um, so I was a beer on this and that's, that's the most I could give it. Um, where are you at on it? I was a little bit more generous, not too much more generous though. I gave it 1.25 beers, a beer and a quarter. Okay. And like you said, and the thing is you were talking about the ring rust and the kind of not fluidness, kind of kind of botchiness almost, and it wasn't just from the inspiration like havoc kept oh, not at tripping all, no, all over crash. the fucking place. Oh, and trash. I've seen her work. I don't know how many matches, like even live in the like at least five or six live matches in the past few months, and that was, was one of her worst matches. Yeah, like straight the fuck up. Like, and yeah. she's worked way better. I don't know if it's because she didn't have any chemistry with them or didn't know. And like, yeah, I don't think she fits the decay. Like, she does not fit that whole vibe. I don't like their gimmick. I yeah. think they're fucking whack. But. People love them in Impact. Like every time we go there, Crazy Steve gets the biggest fucking reaction, and I'm just yeah, like, I don't what get it the either. Fuck, like that's the that's sense. the lamest name. Crazy Steve. 
That's the lamest bullshit I've ever heard. He's great in the ring, but gimmick's lame. The name's lame. It's just he's fucking bullshit. He's pretty good. I wouldn't say great, but he's pretty good. He's better than me. That's true. That's true. I mean, as are 99.9% of these wrestlers that we're covering here. Uh, yeah. But yeah, let's not Way spend too much time on the negative. Let's not spend too much time on the negative. Let's keep it going here. We got D'Lo and Stryker kind of running down the card. Uh, the crowd sucks, by the way. There's like zero hype. They're they're the worst part of the show. Is the, the Nashville crowd, crowd was better than this Vegas yes. crowd, I'll tell you. They 100% should have just done it in Nashville. Um, Deanna Perrazzo had a great promo in the back. Really well done. Um, she is single-handedly carrying that division for the most part. Um, the package for the X Division Championship match was very good. Um, although Macklin is gutter trash, um, but hopefully they can carry him. That's what I wrote here. Um, and then the match here is El Fantasmo or L or ELP versus Trey Miguel versus Steve Macklin. Um, yeah, man. Uh, God, you know what? I'm gonna let you take the lead on this one. what do you think about this, uh, X division three way? Honestly, when I saw Steve Macklin, I was kind of like bummed out that he was going to be in it, but he I don't think he really did as bad as he normally does. And there was actually some pretty cool, innovative shit in there. And I don't, I think if it would have been with anybody else, it probably wouldn't have been as good. But I think, like, dude, that was fucking sick. Trey Miguel went up for the, like, the springboard cutter. And while he was upside down, Macklin speared him through the ropes. And Macklin actually did a few little, uh, flippity doodles off the, uh, over the top rope himself. But, I love El Fantasmo. Like, I love the shtick. I love the nipple twisting. I love all the yeah. comedy shit. But then he gets serious again and still gives some hard-hitting moves. And Trey Miguel, I mean, he's fucking star. amazing. Part, he's a star. Should have been. Yeah, like, MSK, they're in WWE now. But honestly, like, he's probably, he might be the breakout guy from the group, honestly. Like, the guy who should have been the single star. So it kind of makes sense for him to stay. And he was doing so much sick shit. This was a classic X Division match. And... I really liked it. I don't know. You seem like your tone of voice seemed like you were kind of bummed out about it because of Steve Macklin, but I think he worked well with these two dudes. Like the Super Rana onto Macklin, that was sick. I, the Buzzsaw kick, the Brain Buster, Meteora, like nice combo. Like I'm saying like a lot because this was just a, like a good match. I enjoyed it. I gave it 4.75 beers, almost a fiver, almost a whole five pack, but it just. I don't know what – I guess the the crowd not being as hype as I personally was for it might have took it out a little bit for me. Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, I'm not that far behind you. I, I will I will generously say that Macklin didn't ruin the match. Uh, he mostly just took a bunch of moves and sold, which is fine. Um, his offense is just very generic. Like, granted, yes, I, I thought that spear spot was cool, but at the same time, like, he – he just delivered a spear. You know what I mean? Like it, it like M- Miguel made that look Trey amazing. Miguel is what made it. Like I said, no, of course, of course. Yeah. yeah. Made it yeah, sick. Yeah, yeah. 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 I just think that he's like the most white bread wrestler, like of all time. Like he just feels so, so generic. Like, ugh. like I just, I just can't, I can't get behind it at all. Um, but yeah, I, I thought ELP looked great. Um, I thoroughly enjoy like the bullet club in impact too. And I think he fits that vibe perfectly. Um, the match was really good, man. I mean, the commentary did a great job of building Trey, you know, like, d- like throughout the match on commentary and that, and they really put him over and him getting the win. I think they may have oversold it a little bit on, on commentary. Cause I was like, Oh, I mean the way they're just the way they're just every time it's like, Oh, Trey Miguel, like just, you know, like the way they're just like, I don't know. The way they just gushed was like, okay, well, he's going to win. But it's it worked out. I thought it was pretty good. Um, yeah, four solid beers for me. Just just four. But above average, but solid four. 
Solid four. That's pretty close. Like, dude, probably, I mean, if we're going to talk about, uh, yeah, it's probably one of the better matches of the night. Not the best, but one of the better. It is one of the better matches, yeah. So we had, first match was terrible. Uh, Second match was pretty good. So let's get to the third match here. Uh, Before we do, though, Mickey James in a promo uh, in the back, and it's really good. Um, It's not great, but it was really good. Uh, And the package for the... That, uh, yeah, the, <laughs> the package for the Heath Angle thing, uh, I gave, I yeah, I just did not care about this at all. Um, it just kind of seems like a really flimsy storyline at best. Like the whole Rhino, like, joined Violent by Design, and is he going to be with his friend? Is he hypnotized by Violent by Design? It just felt really, it felt like a bad WWE storyline. You know what I mean? It felt like a bad, hokey WWE type thing to do. Um, and then, you know, okay, so the match happens, it's violent by design versus Heath and Rhino, but it's really just violent by design versus Heath, right? It's just a, yeah. it's pretty much a, like a handicap match from the whole start. And, and the whole match is literally just like him getting his ass beat until, and no one actually comes out at all until like they're bo- both knocked down. Then Rhino all of a sudden gets some courage and he comes down and he gets a hot tag, gets some shine and goes over like. How is this not awful booking? How does that not make Rhino look like an absolute asshole? Like, to me, like, that's the dumbest booking. Like, like you just needed to see your buddy get beat up just enough so you could swoop in and get some shine and go over. Like, to me, that's a massive heel move. I thought it was bad, dumb, really not well booked at all. And it, and honestly, the the work wasn't great because it was just too... It was it was almost like a training session where two tag team guys just give the newbie as many bumps as he can take. Like that's what it felt like, and it was just like, yeah, yeah. I gave it I gave it a, I gave it negative quarter of a beer, so like less than a dud. Like it was like I thought it's embarrassing, like because the storyline was so bad. Like if you showed this to somebody, they'd be like, why is this happening? Like it doesn't just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I thought it was pretty fucking bad, too. I didn't go negative, but I went a dud. I definitely went a dud on this one. The story was bad. And someone like Heath, it did, like, he left WWE to go to basically do some more bullshit right here. Like, yeah. Yeah. he could be doing so much better, and well, it's he got not fired. really his fault. Well, he got fired. But I'm saying he could be doing a lot better, and it's not his fault Impact is booking this bullshit. Like, yeah, actually make him and Rhino in a tag team match versus Diener and fucking... Doring, like actually make him a re- have a real tag team match, not this bullshit. Yeah. Like you said, make Which Rhino probably look like been a great. cowardly, making Rhino look like a cowardly, shitty heel asshole. Yeah, it was bad. It Wait was really till both bad. guys are down to come hit the gore. Yeah. yeah, big old dud for me. And crazy to think that this is the weakest match on the card. When I saw the lineup, I would not think that this would be just because you know Rhino's not gonna go out there and bullshit. But he, you know, he did, but not really. He. He didn't go out there and bullshit the storyline. He went out there and bullshitted. He he did his gore. He did his gore. That's true. That's true. And you know what, guys? I'm going to be totally honest here. Uh, right after this match, the rest of the show is pretty damn good. The rest of the show is pretty much fire, uh, to be completely honest with you. Uh, let, let's jump right into it, though. We got a recap of Gail Kim inducting Awesome Kong into the Impact Hall of Fame. And that was cool. Um, a little recap of whatever, whatever else happened on the pre-show. Uh, and then we get Jordan Grace as the digital media championship, which is a terrible idea and such a dumbass idea completely. Like a digital media championship just seems really bad for a company that's third place at best. You know what I mean? Like you have way too many titles already. Like a digital media and championship. And it looks like the AEW yet. championship. And yeah. she took some Shawn Michaels style photos with the title that uh, Jesse called me. I'm just kidding. Jesse didn't call me about him, but I know that's his favorite. So 
I'm sure he's peeped them. Uh, I'm sure he's peeped them photos. Jesse. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that'll be something. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's a promo and then like, there's a promo in the back with them, uh, with Ellering and Jordan Grace and then Moose and Exxon show up. I mean, uh, Morrissey, um, I thought it was Sitgo, but all right. Yeah, Sitgo. That's fine. Either way it was weak. Either way it was not good. Uh, and then the match here is the call your shot gauntlet match. Um, I really enjoyed this match. I actually really enjoyed the concept. It made sense to me. I thought Saban looked really good. Romero looked great. The, the like the big wind up into the eye poke was super funny to me. Madman Fulton is trash. He doesn't deserve to be on any show anywhere. He's just not good. I don't understand why he still gets booked, but whatever. It's because he's um, tall and you can't teach that. Wait, yeah. Wrong know. guy. No, just kidding. I don't know. I feel like it, I mean, I mean, and then when Rohit was out there, it's, it was obvious that like Fulton couldn't even perform a uh, basic high five properly. So that was weird. Um, Tasha Steele is the first woman out before a few more. We got Ella ring and then Savannah Evans um, swinger popped me um, and it popped the crowd too. the OG TNA guy um, seeing Melina pop me for sure. The demon, the demon was an amazing moment. I mean, I like, I marked out on my couch for that. Like I got up and I, I like stood up. I saw like the demon and I was like, what are they doing? Is this like a new character they're putting in? And then when I saw the actual demon from WCW get up and like with the kiss makeup, I, I lost it. Like I dude, I was, uh, I totally popped me in the best way. Super cheesy nostalgia. Um, and Cardona's out next. The dude Cardona is just really hot right now. Like he's just kind of killing it on the indie scene for sure. Uh, and they gave him hell of a shine. I mean, they, they put him in like the final two against Moose. Um, and it, and once you got to the one v one, it was short and sweet. But I thought the right guy went over, and I enjoyed the Gaga in the match. I was pleasantly surprised. I thought overall four and a half beers for me. I really enjoyed this. Um, where Whoa. were you at on the call your shot gauntlet match? Uh, I did not go that high, but for like a rumble style like multi-man match it was pretty cool and yeah. it actually like you said it made sense it was more enjoyable I like the concept a lot yeah yeah and it's just it's a little bit more less chaotic than like a regular royal rumble because the way it's kind of yeah. it's kind of the way it's set up and i didn't go quite that high i only went three beers for it but for like a multi-man i can never really rate them that high i can usually only ever really go three or four at the most like it did no one did something in here that was like God damn, I got to go like super high, but like, I mean, it's been over 20 years since I've seen the demon. You get the demon in on the show. I'm down. And you that was actually at least one full beer for that. Himself, wasn't yes, it? it was. was yes, him? it was the demon. Yes. Man, that, that, that's pretty, that's pretty fucking sick. Moose, like yeah. I said, I agree. Moose winning here was the right decision, but we'll get into that I, later. I also love that Cardona is like the biggest heel in GCW and he's like a baby face in impact. I love, I love he's, that. He's a baby face everywhere except for GCW. Cause that crowd fucking hates him, but he's so good in GCW. Like I oh, prefer yeah. him as a heel in GCW. Like, Oh yeah. He's oh. announced as a special guest in Detroit and he posted this, a tweet and he was like, fuck my agent called me and I got to go work Detroit, this B town. Oh no. <laughs> oh, that's so good though. Oh, I love it. I love it. Let's keep it rolling here, though, man. The next match on the card um, is a three-way for the Impact Tag Team Championships. Before we get to the match, though, we did have a Rhino and Heath promo in the back, which was really stupid. And I guess now they're going to try to jump on this Uncle Rhino thing. I don't know if you saw that, but now there's a pro wrestling tease Uncle Rhino 
um, like T. And I think they're going to really try to push that as a thing. So they're going to make them a tag team no. comedy match. Uh, yeah, I'm not into it at all. Uh, but I will say the package for the tag team title match, loved it. Super hyped for it. Um, I was really into it. Um, yeah, and the, and the match here is is the Bullet Club versus Finn Juice versus the Good Brothers for the Impact Tag Team Championships. I felt like there was a lot of stakes here because I felt like, um, you know, it's pretty clear that the AEW and Impact relationship is kind of coming to an end. It's been in all the, the, the rumor mills, at least, although no, neither side has actually confirmed that. Uh, but that is kind of what the, you know, the whole, the IWC is talking about. Well, so to me, it already put me on edge. Like, yo, there's no way. I mean, the Good Brothers are going to drop the titles to either the Bullet Club or Finn Juice or whatever. Like, that's, that's the way this thing worked. Um, and I adore Finn Juice. I feel like Bay sold like a madman. Um, I like the sneaked in tags from team to team too. I like the format of this match. That way there's never more than two guys in the ring. It never gets too cluttered. And that way you can always go into your massive spot if you need to. Um, man, I think juice is going to be a massive single star someday too, man. I just think he's hit the way he just like, it reminds me very much of Jericho, like early, early Jericho. Like he's so good, but he just like, his actual just verbiage in the ring during the match is just so funny and good and entertaining and on point. Um, Bay, the way he moves, like he's not like a normal cruiserweight guy. Like people make him out to be more of like a high flyer and that's not who he is. Like I honestly think that Chris Bay is more like a Shawn Michaels or an Adam Cole than he is like a high flyer, like a ricochet. You know what I mean? Like he can do some of those moves too, but he really shines doing the more technical stuff that may end with a drop kick or something like that. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's a more old soul, but he, he just works it really well. Some of the, some of the way he begs off some of the way he takes bumps to and feeds back like little technical things that I noticed in this match specifically totally reminded me of Sean, um, in the best way. And yeah, man, I loved it. I love the finish too. The sequence was super cool. The good brothers kind of like pulling a brother and going over after stealing somebody else's finish sequence is perfect. I loved it. Um, it was, I get, I gave it four and a half years. I was really into it. What'd you think about this three-way tag match? The one thing that I'm just going to just disagree. Cause I literally agree with almost everything you said, except for the finish. That's what took it down for me. I only went 3.75 and it would have been higher. I just didn't like that finish. I was, I was ready for Finn juice to get the fucking victory oh, right there. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I think it, but I think I like the swerve because I think I, we were all expecting the good brothers to lose. Cause I feel like, Oh, well they're in AW now. They signed a one year deal. You're their your years up. They're going to drop the titles and they're being AW, you know, but that's not what happened. So does yeah, that mean we're not going mean, to good brothers they were going to go to AW because at this point, they're I think when I watched this match, play. I'd already like re- figured out that the end, the relationship was up. So I was just like, now they're here in Impact because they signed a pretty long deal. I pre- I'm pretty sure at one point when they first got on there. So I just uh, wasn't a fan of the f- like the finish. But, dude, just like you said, dude, the chemistry between between uh, Juice Robinson and Chris Bay, like some of their sequences oh. was sick as shit in the match. So like, good, yeah. They are those those are the two stars like of that yeah. of this match. Next sure. level, Even though good, yeah. Technically, good bros and all those are bigger international stars, but I think like just overall pure wrestlers and workers, these are the two dudes, right? And no, like I how totally they looked, and they, and they worked a good story. They worked over Bay's arm the like the entire match to try to like, dude, everything was great about this. That's why I wanted either 
I, I would have liked to seen uh, Bullet Club steal the victory, if anything, not the Good Brothers. I don't just because I was I don't know. The Good Brothers were in the match, but I was more focused on that story, and I just feel like they were they had the shine. That's fair. They had the spotlight, and I feel like one of them should have took home the title, not the Good Bros. They've they've had it for a while, and the Good Brothers, you know, I mean. If if I really think about it, I could. I mean, it makes sense. Ring of, I mean, what I say, I was gonna say Ring of Honor. Goddamn, rest in peace. <laughs> but Impact wants to keep the really true international top star guys with their title, face of the company. I get it. I get it. Yeah, I mean, it makes. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It's it's. I mean, it's the right call to be completely honest. Um, yeah, let's keep it rolling here, though. We got a, a incredible promo by Christian in the back. I mean, really good. Like that's. Like, damn, like if you get a chance to just watch this clip on YouTube, go watch Christian's promo from Brown for Glory 2021. It was that good. It really was. It was really good. Really well done. Um, and then we get a package for Mickey James and Deanna Perrazzo. Um, OK, so to be honest, I went into this match with very, very, very low expectations to the point where I really wanted to just like not even like just kind of fast forward it just because like the Me past few, the past few matches I've seen with Mickey James have been. <laughs> Less than stellar, to say the least. And Deanna Perrazzo has kind of, kind of been hit or miss. I mean, she's great. Um, and she she hits a lot more than she misses. I shouldn't I shouldn't have said that. It's not so much hit or miss. She's she's easily the best part of the women's division in Impact. Um, but yes, I, I still was a little worried that she wasn't might not be able to really kind of, um, you know, carry Mickey. Uh, unfortunately, that's how I felt. And it, it kind of started as a brawl, and they're kind of making it more personal. And it wasn't as technical of a match to start out, which is kind of generally what you see. Normally in like more main event or title matches, you'll see like the technical wrestling happen and then it forms into a brawl. This one kind of went the other way around. It was like it started as a brawl, but then it kind of turned into like a wrestling match. I mean, it was a really good story. The ring psychology was there for sure. The selling by both of them were phenomenal. Like Mickey looked insanely good. I mean, like no rust. Like she did not miss a beat. She never looked like she was blown up. Like, dude, she held it together so well. Deanna is one of the best women's wrestlers on the face of the planet right now, for sure. It was significantly better than I expected it to be. Great, great false finishes. I mean, some like some of the most incredible false finishes that I've seen this year, like period, not just for a women's match, just I mean, the crowd, they actually got the crowd hype for this. Like, the crowd was legitimately rumbling at this point. I mean, and then after all of that, like, the match was forever long, but I never lost my interest. And then after all of that, they put the belt on Mickey James. Like, wow, dude. Like, man, like, this might be at least women's match of the year, but I'd also put it in for candidate of match of the year on pay-per-view. I'm not, no lie. Like, I, I loved this match. Um, five and three-quarter beers for me. Um, it just was, it, it lagged in a couple of spots and felt a little too long, but almost a six pack for me. Um, I mean, damn good. I really, really enjoyed it. How did you feel about Mickey James versus Deanna Perrazzo here? I, I mean, literally you hit like all the high points. And the only thing that I didn't like about this is that Mickey James is supposed to be the baby face. And then she started off the match with the sneak attack. Bullshit. Yeah, but it's I mean, personal. I'm not saying like it was bullshit, but she started with the sneak attack. He's supposed to be the baby face. I understand the desperation to want to win the title or whatever, but that's the only thing that I had a problem with kind of how she initiated it. But the way they worked it was fantastic. It was like it was like did Mickey James blow her low too early while beating the fuck out of her on the outside. And then she got taken advantage of once the bell rang and got to the inside. And like you said, lots of just dude, lots of technical wrestling. Uh Oh, is he about to um 
Daniel is about to match me now. We're both wearing the exact same hat officially. Shawn Michaels, WWF. That's right. We're HBK fans out here. But, dude, everything about this match, like, just, dude, like I said, great story. Like, did Mickey fuck it up too early? And then now she's getting her ass whooped in the ring because Deanna Perrazzo is just so fucking good and has, like, control. And, dude, I wasn't a fan of, like, they didn't really need the chair part at the end. That that's another thing that kind of just. I didn't mind the chair part. I don't know. I, I thought I thought it was at that point the match had been going on forever. They're both desperate. I, I feel like the chair made sense because they had such massive false finishes from both sides. And the fact that Deanna Perazzo didn't retain kind of just. I, I, it's I cool know, seeing I Mickey James. I didn't expect that because I just feel yeah. like oh Deanna they got to keep building her up. She she beat the legend Mickey James, but she didn't. But now it gives her a chance to take the title back. Right. So initially I was yeah. pissed, but I was like. I see the I see the bigger picture, but I went five beers. The yeah. only thing that the way it started is what took it away a little bit for me and those my few little nitpicks. But besides that, I agree with everything you said. Dude, Deanna Perazzo's little Pope type gimmick gear she yeah. had going on was also sick. Yeah. And I just think every time they say hardcore country, I laugh till this day. Oh, it's um, yeah, it's, it's terrible. just fucking hilarious to me. She's hardcore country. And I'm like, so is she like is that like Cactus Jack on a farm? Or is it like <laughs> Or is it like heavy metal Leonard Skinner or something? You know, like I don't. I'm trying to figure uh, out what hardcore country means. Well, she 100%, was hard, she was hardcore something in the early 2000s, but that's neither here nor there. I just remember a little bit of that at WrestleMania. <laughs> they still bleep out of it, but dude, yeah, five beers, fantastic. Like you said, one of the best matches. Period. Definitely one of the best women's matches I've seen all year. Yeah, Hands for sure, down. for sure. Hopefully, and it's one up of the for best an award. Matches. Like you said, we don't give very many five and sixers, and this is this is up there. I fully agree. Right um, on up there, right up there. Maybe not right up there. Right, 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 right up there, there at the top. Yep. Um, and so then they had an announcement for Hard to Kill, uh, which is going to be in January. We're definitely going to be covering that for sure. Um, same opening package they showed um, for Alexander and Christian before they played it again. Uh, but let's get right into it, man. Um, it's Josh Alexander versus Christian Cage for the Impact World Championship. Uh, the crowd is hype, uh, which is very nice. The match was really good, man. Honestly, it had a lot to follow from that women's match, and that kind of hurt it in the beginning because I was like still coming down from it. Um, and there was definitely some clunk in there, but overall, they figured it out and settled into a really solid tempo. There are also some really awesome false finishes in there, some nice submission spots that like kind of also served as false finishes. Great match, man. I can't rate it higher than the women's match. I can't, honestly. Uh, but it was strong for sure. Um, great moment for, for Alexander. Great moment for his family, for his kid. That's always cool to see. I think I might flip-flop you here because I was a straight five beers on this one. Um, there were a couple moments where it did lag. It did get clunky. There were a couple missed spots. When there, when you have a missed spot, I mean, come on, you can't can't give it a six-pack. So five, five beers for me. That's I mean, dude, still five beers. It's a damn great match. I mean, overall, this show has been absolutely phenomenal. I think we had... Uh, you know, maybe two, two, three bad matches, really just two. But I will say the two bad matches were absolute drizzling shits bad. But um, the rest of it was really good, man. Uh, what do you think about this main event? What's your beer rating on that? OK, so like you said, the match itself was fucking fantastic. Their chemistry was top notch. So many great counters, reversals. And the ending sequence with the fucking ankle lock and stomping on his head, like standing up, you know, like. With the extra pressure, like, yeah, that just made for the ah, it just made so much extra, like, so sick. But if we're just gonna rate this match itself and not 
basically the post match thing, I gave it four point seven five beers. Okay. Almost a five, almost a fiver, like really fucking good. Like you said that like the beginning of it was a little slow, a few stutter steps. Yeah. And that other match was just so sick. It's like, I agree with you. I was just like, fuck, they need to get into gear. They did get it into gear. And that, that big knee off the top, like the knee off the top. And they referenced Dick Murdoch and shit that, uh, yeah. I think that was like the turning point where the shit started to really get going. And what did I see right here? Sorry. I have a note that, uh, Oh yeah, I love the little like the kill like dude, just so many sick different like sequences and combos in this match between both of these guys. But the end, like I said, if I'm gonna rate just the match not with not that in there, I'll give it four point seven five. But if you include the ending, it takes it all the way down to three and a half because it ruined what potentially was like a ending to a really good pay per view. But then I, I'll, I'll let you uh, let the the fans know what happened next if they don't already know what happened next. Uh, wait, what happened next? Did I miss something? You know exactly. You didn't watch the end of this? That the fucking ruined brand? it? No, what, what happened? Moose came out immediately and cashed his fucking shot in from winning the gauntlet and speared him and won the title. I did not know that. Like, immediately. Like, as, like, he did, like, as he finished celebrating, Moose came down there and cashed in his call your shot and speared him and won the title immediately. So it really fucking... I love that even more. Almost that almost makes me want to give it some serious. <laughs> I got to be totally oh, really? honest. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah, because I feel that like Josh. I mean, Josh, Alexander, Josh Alexander is your is your premier babyface. Like, I mean, Christian dropped the title because Christian is an AEW. Like, he's not. He's not. Oh yeah, that's, impact, yeah, that's know? why. That's uh, that's another reason why I knew that the partnership was really officially over is because he dropped it. He's back full time. Yeah, but see, I feel like they never really wrote the, the the Good Brothers off of Dynamite. You know what I mean? And it's like, what what what's happening there? Like, uh, I don't know. You know, they got too many dangly earrings and it dangled them all the way back to Impact. I don't know. <laughs> that is true. They can just do something in BTE and just cover it up that way. That's kind of how they work. But yeah, damn, we'll I can't believe I missed that. I can't believe I missed Moose. I'll have to go back. I mean, yeah, that's, I, I, I that's, bought it on Fight TV, so I'll go back and watch it. I love that actually. I love that. I love that kind of thing. But, yeah, you thought it was over, and I thought it was over too. And then old Moose came out, cashed in. Cause wow. He won, as we previously stated, he won earlier in the night in the Call Your Shot 20 man, cashed it in and won the title. So is, I guess I now that. Josh Alexander's going to feud with Moose? I love it. You know, I mean, you know, something very similar happened at WrestleMania 31 when Seth Rollins came down there and beat. Roman Reigns, right as he won the title, and very was, and very something very similar happened at WrestleMania, the one nine. outdoors at Caesar Palace nine. Yeah, when fucking Hulk Hogan came down and did the same thing, he just yep. came and fucking leg dropped Yokozuna and took that fucking title. Well, I loved it at thirty one, so I probably would have loved this too. But uh, we all speaking love of Seth Rollins, and we all probably most of us love Moose more than we love Hulk Hogan, so I'll just say that. Yeah, that's that's pretty fair. That's pretty fair. Uh, Moose is. Uh, I'm excited to see where that goes. I mean, honestly, the Josh Alexander Moose program that's that we're about to get is going to be fire. And I guarantee now Moose is an official real Impact World Champion, not a TNA World Heavyweight right. Champion. Right, right, right. He was right. Yeah. rating as the champion and then got recognized, but now he's the real deal Holyfield. The real deal Holyfield. All right, I love that. Uh, what do we have in this week in AEW coming up? Uh, did we do our predictions from last week? E dub the predictions from last week. 
So the uh, what were the matches again? Refresh me. Bobby Fish. No, that was on. Di- no, that was Dynamite. Fuck. Yeah, what what was do? Rampage last week? Wham. Uh, I honestly, dude, I have been so caught up with watching these like shows, um, and just working that I I've, I'm behind like almost two weeks on Rampage and and Dynamite. Okay, here we go. So last week we had. Will Hobbs versus Orange Cassidy. Yep. And you yeah. and uh you you and Alex picked Hobbs. And Cassidy won. Yeah. So you basically automatically win because I don't think I think we all guessed the same on all the other ones, right? Yeah, we did. So uh yeah, so this week's AEW picks winner is Daniel Mr. Who it all hey now. Hey now, hey now, hey now. I'm happy to be here. I just want to thank uh, thank my fans. Thank God. And, uh, yeah. All right. And so for old AEW Rampage, the three matches that we got on the docket are Dr. Britt Baker versus Abaddon in a non-title match. Okay. And I'm going to go with Abaddon because it's Halloween, a non-title match, and it doesn't really hurt Dr. Britt Baker to lose in a non-title match, and they announced no disqualification. If it's no disqualification, there's no way. No so way. you're going Brit? Yep. All right. The next match on the docket is O'Brien Danielson versus Eddie Kingston in the world title eliminator tournament. Brian, for sure. I'm also going the American Dragon because it's obvious they're going to set up for a Mox Brian final at the, yeah. at the full gear. It's obvious, and I'm... I mean, I'd rather see anybody but Mox, but uh, Brian will help carry to carry him to a great match. You know he will. Yeah, can we just get rid of Mox now? Can he just go to be GCW all the time? I'll be fine with that. Yeah, go to GCW, go back to WWE. We're tired of you. Uh, go, yeah. go and go back. I never liked you in the first place, to be honest. Return of Dean Ambrose, joining the bloodline. That, that could great. actually be cool. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. Oh, no, you know what? He just comes back to... He comes back to uh, get with Seth Rollins to take on the bloodline, right? And then what happens is, is that... Paul Heyman takes the Usos and Brock Lesnar comes back heel and he's like, you know what? Now we're a family. And then Roman Reigns turns into this baby face and it's the shield versus Brock Lesnar and the Usos at WrestleMania 27. Like 2027. WrestleMania 2027. Oh, okay. I was like 27 happened like, uh, 10 years ago. Almost. Don't sass me. You know what I meant? I don't like that. Yeah. Okay. And all right, the only other match on the docket for that show is the rubber match, part three, Matt Seidel versus Dante Martin. Oh, really? Yeah, it was going to be the Seidel brothers versus Leo Rush and Dante Martin, but like something happened to one of the Seidel, the other Seidel, the the one that we could give a fuck about, Mm -hmm. and he can't wrestle, so now it's just a singles match, and it's the the rubber match, the the part three. Okay, um, I'm gonna say Dante just because I don't care, and I think that Leo's I'm probably Dante gonna... too because it makes sense with the story. He's the rising baby face. Well, trying I to think, build up. I think I think I think uh, like Leo's gonna help him win the match without uh, without Dante noticing. So like that way he stays the baby oh, face, little, uh, but Leo's okay. the heel. That's that's what that, that'll be my prediction. I think they're gonna have like a little Leo be like the heel manager, but he's the yeah. baby face that doesn't want to yeah. turn. Yes, that's that's good shit. That's good shit. I like it. I like it. All right, I yeah, like so. it too. 
So, yeah, uh, so obviously our differential pick will be on the Abaddon versus Dr. Britt Baker because I'm going to go strong for Abaddon for Halloween. I'm going to ride it out for Ride it out for and See if I can take the title back. I wish you would. Wish you would. I'm not going to ride it out like that. Not like that. My goodness. My goodness. I will say, okay, so if you had to pick one show, though, is it Bound for Glory or is it Halloween Havoc? Because both were actually surprisingly pretty decent. It's tough, dude. It's tough. Tough call. But I'm going to go, gonna... for overall wrestling quality, I'm going to have to go Bound for Glory. Yep, I agree. It's very close. Because... because... There's only one Dean Malenko and uh, yeah. Rey Mysterio. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, that's true. That's true. That's true. I mean, DDP versus Eddie was really good. Really Outsiders good. versus Harlem Heat was but it was as entertaining. Um, yeah, but no, it's got to be bound for glory, man. Good, Those matches like, are insane. You've seen Eddie Guerrero. You know Eddie Guerrero and DDP can do way better than that. So that's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. Uh, next week is going to be a return to the Attitude Era as well, except this time five years later, and it's in WWF side. It's WWF Survivor Series 2001. That's right, boys and girls. It's Survivor Series season. Um, yeah, we're getting right into it, man. It's Survivor Series 2001 versus TNA Genesis 2006. I mean, 2006 is one of TNA's best years, uh, at least on their roster. Maybe not in creative, yeah. but some of the matches were great. Um, creative was not great, but... Um, Creative was never great in the TNA era, to be um, honest. There was, I mean, creative. I, I, yeah, I think like some of some of that stuff was pretty decent. Like around like oh nine, I'd say oh nine to two thousand ten was pretty decent. Okay, well, is that? Yeah, I guess so. But I'm talking to like, like Jay Lethal doing the Ric Flair thing, like the four the original oh, yeah, run of the, Fortune, oh, yeah, that was like good. that was pretty solid. Like, yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. And then two weeks from now, we're doing uh, NXT TakeOver Toronto 2016. It's a little five-year throwback there. RIP to TakeOvers, by the way. RIP. Uh, NXT's dead. They should just call it something else. Um, Ron Breaker T. Jesus Christ. Okay. Since we since you brought it up, I got to say this, guys. NXT sucks now, too. They finally did it. I don't know how it happened, but it happened. I watched Halloween Havoc, and we purposely didn't cover it on the show because it was just not fun to talk about. Like, the, the the women's ladder match was great. Braun Breaker and all this, like, okay, first of all, the fact that I have to say Braun Breaker hurts my, like, integrity and when hurts my soul. he's just fucking Rick Steiner. He's Rick Steiner's okay. son. He could just be Rick Steiner. Also, part two. This is me just being very candid, okay? I have never liked the Steiners, either one of them, for any reason. I, I, I don't I just don't I I don't find value in this guy. I don't find value in this kid. Like I don't like this power I don't like powerhouse wrestlers. He talks just like Scott and I hate it. And everybody else loves it and I hate it. I, I like nothing about NXT is is enjoyable to me anymore. Um I'm really bummed about it, but I will be happy to revisit 2016. To me, 5 years ago was pretty much the peak for 20 for NXT at least. Like they, 2016 was they were so good. <laughs> Think about this. NXT used to be like the reason we would watch WWE. Yeah. The reason we would get excited. We're like, dude, all right, at least yeah. there's a takeover coming. There's a good episode yep. of NXT. But now NXT is like like the same shit as Raw and SmackDown. Yeah. It's bad. It's really bad. You're absolutely right. It's not good at all. Um, like WWE, just like you said earlier, they go to peaks and valleys. And, you know, people online, the wrestling community they like to be very tribal very like loyal to one brand like this brand's the best but 
everybody goes through like WWE has been through many times where it's been good, shitty, good, shitty. It's just that's what happens. It's not like we're anti WWE. It's just they're doing like shit right now. And we're going to call them out. If they're doing shitty. Yeah, that's I mean, how it's it a, is. It's like it's a five, it's a five to ten year cycle. That's the way it's always, it's always been. I mean, exactly. I and AW, even though we like them, even when they do something shitty, we call it out. Yeah, totally. We absolutely do. We're very fair on this show. Um, I did enjoy I did enjoy covering the '96 Halloween Havoc though, um, and actually the pay per view after it um, is World War Three '96, and that's the the other pay per view that we're going to be covering in two weeks, going up against that NXT Takeover from Toronto in 2016. So that's going to be a killer show. Um, I'm really excited about what we have on the docket. Uh, the following week is going to be an AEW show, um, and then we're gonna, you know, we're gonna we're gonna see what the rest of November looks like. We'll see what your Thanksgiving looks like from us. But uh, man, I'm hyped. I felt like today's show was really good. I feel like we've got a lot of really good stuff in the can. Last week's show was good. We were on the up and up. I know you guys have been following us on the Tiki Talks. Uh, we like doing them. Um, I noticed that our Twitter has been getting some more followers. Mr. Wex breaking the Lawson is now pretty much running most of the social media. And um, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'm, I'm loving the engagement. Happy to have you guys involved in the polls. Uh, you can always find me at Daniel Daybreak. You can find the show at Kfabe.com, except for on TikTok. And it's at Kfabe.com pod. Um, that is where Wex fucked it up. But you know what? He's making up for it. He's making up for it by just, like, pushing out a lot of content. I'm, I'm trying to be on the Tiki Talks as well, making them for you. Um, yeah, man, you can always find me at Daniel Daybreak pretty much everywhere. Wex, give him the script, baby. Where can they find you? You can find your boy Wex at Wex Breaking the Lawson on pretty much every social media platform there is. Even though I don't really fuck with Facebook too hard like that. But, you know, I'll be on everything else. Twitter, Instagram, all that bullshit. TikTok, yeah. And TikTok, speaking of that, I'm probably going to do some more weekly engagement on there. Some more little, maybe like NXT recap videos with Dynamite. Because, you know, we talk more Rampage on here, a little bit of Dynamite. But, you know, sometimes there's some sick matches and I might want to... Even though we have our match of the week for our pay-per-views, maybe I might choose a dynamite match of the week. And maybe you can tell me what your dynamite match of the week is, or you can tell me why you think dynamite sucks or whatever. Whatever you want to do, just tell me, because I want some engagement from you. I love it. I love it, man. We're so hyped. We're happy to be here this week. We'll see you guys next week. We're out. Peace. Peace.